Hello, friends, and welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Christ Church at Grove Farm. We are thrilled to be a part of your spiritual journey and look forward to helping you discover God's plan for your life. To find more messages like this, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast feeds. To stay connected with us, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under the handle CCGF01 and check out our website, ccgf.org, for all of this information and more. Now, here is this week's message, Grace and Peace to You. Isn't that a fantastic video, really? And Pastor John reading over that, that's great. It's like we can all go home right now, right? Hey, how about Pastor Craig's debut in the music department, huh? Come on. That was awesome. That is one thing you will never see me do. That's a guarantee. Hey, this is Urban Impacts uh, Sunday, and we're celebrating our relationship, our partnership with Christ Church and Urban Impact Foundation. And I, I am so excited to tell you this. You know, we've been partnering in the gospel now for 20 years. Can you imagine that? 20 years making that happen. And we've been transforming lives in communities where we live and on the north side of Pittsburgh. And on behalf of Urban Impact and myself, I want to thank you. Thank you, Christ Church, for your support. You've been outstanding in prayer, service, and financially helping us. And I just want to give you an update on what's been happening in COVID on the north side among our families. Christ Church, you've been helping us as well as a number of other organizations, but we've been able to provide 85,000, now check this out, 85,140 meals during COVID. It's amazing. It's a very, very big number. Let me help you understand that number. That number can fill Heinz Field and half of PNC Park. That's a lot of people, folks. So thank you so much. Also, we supplied 132 iPads and presented Bible studies to over 2,000 people and delivered over 30,000 essential items. What does that mean? A lot of our people are, are stuck where they are. They didn't have access. So we had to do a lot of transportation, a lot of medicine, a lot of things that were essentials. And we were able to do that with 30,000 different times. And I want to thank you, Christ Church, for being part of that. Also, I have a second thank you. The second thank you is that you've been helping us move our office, our art office. The arts had to move and our fungin. The fungin is where we put all of the instruments and all the costumes that we've used at Light the Night and other things. We put them in the fungin. But we had to move because we had a 30-day uh, lease. I mean, we, we, we leased a building, and they gave, gave us 30 days to get out of that building. So we had to move Tammy and all of her group and all of those costumes out. And, I, and who came to our rescue? Christ Church. And I want to thank every one of you this past month that have been coming down on the weekends and helping us pack and do the things that we've been doing. And I have to have a special shout-out to the Young Adult Ministry. Yeah, get kidding, the Young Adult Ministry. Unbelievable. And I want to shout out to the young adult leader, David Sad. And you guys were outstanding, and I mean that. You really, really encouraged our people. When you got 30 days to move, and it, many hands make light work. I would encourage you, though, we still have October 30th. That's our last day. If you'd like to come help, please come help us between 9 and 2. Okay, I, hopefully you're encouraged. Hopefully you feel very appreciated. And with all that being said... Let's get started. Our passage is found in Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. And the title of our sermon is called The Parable of the Mustard Seed. But I gave it, I gave it a subtitle. The subtitle is called Little Can Become Much When God is in it. Can you say that with me? Little can become much when God is in it. 
Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I come to you right now and I would ask that you would forgive me and cleanse me of any sin and that you would fill me with your spirit. And Spirit of God, you would speak through me to your people. And we as your people, we wouldn't just be hearers of your word. We would be doers of it. And you wouldn't just stir us, but that you would change us. For Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Have you ever... Have you ever thought that you had a right perspective about something, but only find out that you are really far off? You're wrong. Well, I heard a story about a husband and wife. They were traveling down the highway, and they were running low on gas, so they pulled over to a gas station. The gas station had one pump, and a gas attendant came out. Can you imagine that back in the day? The gas, gas station attendant came out, came over to the window and said, Hey, if you want me to fill your tank, I will, and I'll check the oil underneath your hood. And the husband said, sure, do that. And while you're doing that, I'm going to take a walk and stretch my legs. So he went away, and he came back. When he came back, the wife, his wife, and the gas station attendant were having this real intense conversation. And he walked over, and he paid the gas attendant. They got back in the car, and they drove away. And finally, the husband looked at the wife and said, Honey, what were you talking to that gas attendant about? She said, oh, I knew him in high school. Matter of fact, we dated for a year. And he looked at her and said, well, boy, are you lucky that I came along? Because if you would have married him, you would have been a wife of the gas station attendant. But you married me, and now you're a wife of the CEO. And she looked at him, and she said, honey, if I married him, he'd be the CEO, and you'd be the gas station attendant. <laughs> it's all about perspective, isn't it? It's all about perspective. The disciples had a perspective. They had a perspective. They thought they knew who and how the Messiah was to come. They had the who right. Jesus was the Messiah. But the how, they had it wrong. They believed that when the Messiah would come, that he would deliver them from their enemies, the Romans. Like Moses delivered the, the Jewish people from Egypt. But Jesus didn't come to deliver them from Rome. He came to deliver them from their sin and from death. He didn't come to establish his kingdom physically on the earth yet. He came to establish his kingdom in the hearts of those who would follow him. But remember this, that Jesus came then to be the lamb that was slain for the sin of the world. He came as a lamb. The next time he comes, and he will, he comes as a lion, and he will set up his kingdom upon the earth for a thousand years and will reign and rule right here. And those of us who are believers, we will reign and rule with him on this planet. That's yet to come. But the first time he came as a lamb, the second time he comes as a lion. But Jesus came, and he, with that, with that understanding, he knew that the disciples did not have that. So he, he began to tell them about the parables. In Matthew chapter 13, he gives seven parables. And the parables are told to help the disciples understand what the kingdom of heaven is like. In the first parable Jesus told, he told the parable of the sower. And there in that parable, there's three main things. One, there's the soil that represents four different hearts. The heart. The seed represents the message, the word of God. And then the farmer is the preacher. 
And what Jesus told them is that three hearts, the first three hearts, they reject the message and therefore they reject the kingdom of heaven. The last heart does believe and they become part of the kingdom of heaven. So one out of four become believers. Then he goes on in parable number two and he tells them about the wheat and the tares. And Jesus said the wheat are the believers and the tares are the unbelievers and they will live among you. So the disciples are looking at one another after these first two parables. And you've got to remember now that there is a very small band of believers at this time. So they're looking at one another and saying, man, if this is all there is, we're the kingdom of, kingdom of heaven. Man, are we going to make it? Are we going to survive? I mean, Jesus, you just told us one out of, th- out of four make it. That means for every one believer, there'll be three unbelievers. And then you're going to tell us that they're not going to go away. Those unbelievers aren't going to go away. They're going to live among us. Are we going to make it? Are we going to survive? And with that, Jesus tells them the third parable, our parable this morning, the parable of the mustard seed. And this is what it says. We pick up the story there in Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 through 32. And the mustard seed, the reason it was told is to show the disciples that from a very small beginning, The disciples, from a very small beginning, insignificant beginning, the kingdom of God is going to grow in spite of the opposition. Verse 31, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it comes or when it grows, it is the largest of of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. The point that Jesus was making was that the kingdom of heaven, though now very small and seemingly insignificant, would one day grow into a large body of believers. And we know that's true. That happened. That parable took on reality because we have the gospels and we have the book of Acts. And we know in the book of Acts that Jesus called out 12 disciples. One of them, one of them, if you will, became a spiritual dropout. That was Judas, but they had 11. And Jesus told them to go to the whole world and make disciples that make disciples. And then in Pentecost, on the day of Pentecost, those 11 disciples went up into a room and they were joined with 109 other followers of the Lord Jesus Christ and they began to pray and the Holy Spirit came upon them. And then Peter walked out of that meeting and he preached the gospel in Jerusalem and that day, explosive growth took place. All of a sudden from 120 people, they became 3,000 and then 5,000 in a matter of days. And that's just counting men because they only counted men. They didn't count the women and children. So there was over 10,000 people that came to know Christ in those few days. So from that little band, from that little beginning, all of a sudden they grew. And now they tell me, they tell me today that there are over 2 billion people in in this world that claim to be Christians. So that little group of people, that 120 now has gone global. They've gone global. It's true, little becomes much when God is in it. Little becomes much when God is in it. That since this is the time that we're remembering our partnership, I wanna tell you how Christ Church got started. Let me read it for you. On one particular day, a small group had gathered for prayer at the home of Tom and Cam Allen. 
And as they were praying about this possibility of beginning a new congregation, on a very still afternoon, a gust of wind came rushing through the porch on which the prayer meeting was assembled. Everyone felt the wind. It was dramatic. The conviction was that the Spirit of the Lord came breezing through, giving confirmation that this was a clear calling to start afresh with a new church. Let me ask this. Are there any founding members with us today? If you are, would you please stand? Any founding members? Please stand. Anybody? Yes, we have one right there. We have one there. Thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. So in July, July of 1995, the new church of Swickley began to meet in the Swickley Country Inn in their conference room, which seated around 100 people. While the church was founded in July 1995, not until October was John Guest called to be their first rector and pastor, which he accepted and assumed that role in December 1995. Within one year of its beginning, Christ Church at Grove Farm moved from Swickley Country Inn to Moon Area High School because of the continuing growth. During that year, Grove Farm was purchased and the first church building was built, which is now Wilson Hall on the other side. And with continual growth, the need for a larger church was apparent. Thus, the new sanctuary was built about 10 years after the church began. And from that small group of people, we're here today. Little becomes much when God is in it. Since it's Urban Impact, I'm going to tell you and remind you about how Urban Impact got started. Tammy and I moved down to the north side, onto a street where four out of five homes were boarded up and unoccupied. And then six years into the ministry, I walked out of my house one day and my car was stolen for the third time. And I remember looking down the street and saying to the Lord, Lord, can we make any kind of a difference here? And the Lord gave me this thought, how do you eat an elephant? And I responded by saying, one bite at a time. And the Lord took my mind and helped me to see if I could impact one person, then one family, then one block. We could transform people's lives on the north side of Pittsburgh. And that's when Urban Impact was born. Today, we're reaching tens of thousands of people in the city of Pittsburgh, throughout the country, and around the world. Listen, Christ Church was founded in 1995. Urban Impact was founded in 1995. And today, this year, we are both celebrating 25th year anniversaries. God, I believe, in his sovereignty, raised up these two ministries and in locking arms together that we can make big impact. We can make a big impact. In other words, we have the privilege of locking arms and running the Lord's errands in this generation for him and for his glory. That is not by chance. That is something that God is doing, and we're part of it. Little becomes much when God is in it. Little is much when God is in it. In fact, God demonstrates this truth throughout Scripture. Listen to this. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, we read a story of one young boy named David who defeats a giant with one small stone and inspires a nation to rise up. Little becomes much when God is in it. Judges chapter 3, it speaks of one man named Shamgar who fearlessly kills 600 well-armed enemies with a stick, and his act began a revolution. Little becomes much when God is in it. In the book of Esther, chapter 5 through 
chapter 8, we read the story of how Esther, a woman of influence and position, risked her life and saved her people from destruction. Little is much when God is in it. In the book of of Judges, chapter 6, we read the story of one fearful man, Gideon. With just 300 men, he defeats an enemy of 120,000 soldiers. Little is much when God is in it. In Daniel chapter 3, it tells us the story of three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, taken from a conquered country against all odds, rose to lead a new nation. Little becomes much when God is in it. The Gospels tell us that the greatest movement known to mankind began in a manger in Bethlehem. Little is much when God is in it. Throughout Scripture and history, we see God taking small, insignificant people and doing fantastic things with them over and over throughout Scripture and history. Some of you might be sitting out there thinking, though, like the disciples, man, the world looks like it's going to hell in a handbasket. It looks like there's a lot more unbelievers than there are believers. Are we going to survive? Are we going to make it? Or you might be sitting out there thinking to yourself, What's little old me going to do? Really, what can I, just one person, how am I going to make an impact in the world? How am I going to make a difference? How can I build the kingdom of God? If you're thinking any of those thoughts, let's look at verse 32 together. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. A mustard seed is tiny, only slightly larger than a grain of sand. But a mustard seed has something in it. A grain of sand doesn't. It has life. The grain of sand sits on a beach, but that little mustard seed, it grows and it becomes the biggest plant in the garden. Why? Because it has life in it. If you've called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says that you are born again. You are born again of the Spirit of God. That means the Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, has come and he indwells you. He lives within you. You have life in you. It's just not you anymore. You have the third person of the Trinity, the same spirit that lived in the disciples, the same spirit that lives in those new founding members, the same spirit that lives in Tammy and I, lives within you. And that one that lives within you now makes you not just natural, it makes you supernatural. You are not now temporary, you are now eternal, that the spirit of God indwells you, lives within you. And he can take you and he can multiply you. He can take you and use you to advance his kingdom. Let me give you a story right out of John. I give you some stories out of the Old Testament. Let's go to the New Testament for a moment. Look at this, how God takes little and it becomes much. Look what it says in John chapter 6, verses 5 through 13. When Jesus looked up, he saw a great crowd coming toward him. He said to Philip, where shall we buy bread? For these people to eat. He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. 
Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with small barley loaf and two small fish. But how far would they go among so many? Jesus said, have the, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the, man, the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, then distributed them to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all eat, had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, that nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. In verse 7, Philip says this, eight months of wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Andrew says, here is a boy with with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far would they go among so many? Now, I don't want to throw these two disciples under the bus because they had a huge task in front of them. They had to feed 5,000 people. But Philip, he says, he's real practical. He's looking at the budget and he says, there's no way we don't have enough money. Andrew, Andrew comes up and he says, well, here's a, here's a boy with a happy meal. All right, Jesus, here's the happy meal. But I look at 5,000 people out here, and I don't know how this happy meal is going to make all those people happy, but here it is. And Jesus takes that little happy meal. He stands up, and he gives thanks. And the next thing we know, the disciples are picking up 12 baskets of leftover. I think it's interesting that it's 12 baskets, because at this time, there are 12 disciples. And I think Jesus made sure that every one of them had a basket, and it was full, to remind them that little becomes much when God is in it. But how about those two disciples? They did not see the significance of the gift or the giver. They looked at the 5,000 people, they looked at that gift, and they said, too many, this is too small. Can't do anything here. Jesus, however, saw it totally different. He looked not for the gift. He was looking for the giver. The gift didn't really matter. It didn't matter how big it was or how small it was. It didn't matter. What he was looking for, this is what he was looking for. He was looking for somebody who was willing to make himself and what he had available. To be available. Listen, I have a conviction that those 5,000 people that day, they had a lot of bag lunches, but they weren't, a lot, they weren't about to give themselves up. They weren't going to become available. But that little boy became available, and Jesus took that, and now we're still telling his story in 2020. Guess what? He's still impacting the world because he was available. So how does God use you? He uses anyone who makes themselves available. Anyone. So this being Urban Impact Sunday, let me ask you this. How can you help Urban Impact? We've got tens of thousands of people that still haven't come to know Christ. And we need help. What can you do? How can you become available? First thing you can do is get our newsletter. You say, oh, what's that? Getting a news newsletter. 
In the newsletter, it will tell you how you can serve, how you can give, and how you can pray. Our newsletters, that's what they do. And we only send three or four of them out a year, but it will inform you so that you understand the partnership that's going on so that you can become part of it. So we can continue to build the kingdom of God and people can come to know Christ. Last year alone, 750 people responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ on the north side of Pittsburgh. We're having our time of our life trying to follow all those people up. You could be part of that. Here's the second way that you can get involved. We, we started learning labs. Learning labs, what, what does that mean? Well, we all know that the schools shut down. And when they shut down on the north side, they all, all the kids went online. The problem with the people who go online on the north side, these kids, 80% of the families that we deal with are single moms. Single moms who work. So who in the world's gonna be at the house when those kids are at the home in school? Not gonna happen. So we opened up our, our buildings that we have access to, and we started what we call learning labs. And every Monday, every Tuesday, every Thursday, and every Friday, in the morning and in the afternoon, we're teaching kids. We're providing breakfast and lunch, and you could be part of that. You could come down at any time and help us out. And I, what we've learned and why that's so important for us is because we've learned that if a child cannot read by third grade, they will be stuck in poverty the rest of their lives outside of a miracle. So we know if we don't get started, those kids are lost forever. Outside of a miracle. So I encourage you to come be part of that. Learning Labs, you can get the newsletter. You can also help us on October 3rd. But last is this. We have a training center. The training center trains. We train people in ministry. If, you, if, if you're a volunteer, you've been trained. If you've been volunteering at Urban Impact, we've, been, we, we've trained you. If you are an intern, you want to be an intern in the summer, come down, we'll train you. If you want to take a year off and you come, we'll train you. We call those urban fellows, give you an opportunity to come. We can train you. We also have urban workers and urban missionaries. You can become part of our staff. And let me say this. Let me say this. I believe at Christ Church, there are people that God is calling into full-time ministry. You're being called. And God is speaking to you. And he's asking you to step up and step out. And if you want to do that, we want to encourage you to come so that we can train you. Pastor Craig and I are talking about this together. We're talking about how we can partner in this training center, how it can bless Christ Church and how it can bless the people on the north side. So what we desire to do, Christ Church, this is the vision, to raise up people for ministry. But also, not only those who are called into full-time ministry, but I want to talk to those of you that are retired or retiring. Don't retire, rewire. What do I mean by that? Urban Impact does Christian community development. That means that we're involved in businesses, we're involved in schools, we're involved in the community. We're transforming the community. So no matter what you've been learning or what you've been taught and what you've been trained in at your workplace, you can use those skills and those abilities at Urban Impact. So come talk to us about how we can get you involved so that we can build the kingdom of God together. We're taking back the north side of the city and you want to be part of it. Listen, for 20 years, we've been partnering together. We've been making this a tremendous impact. But I believe for such a time as this, right here, right now in America, we are pivotal. Urban Impact, Christ Church, without question, it's our day. It's our time. I have 37 missionaries spread all over the north side, building relationships. We're buying up homes. 
We're buying up buildings. We're going to turn it around. You do not want to miss it. Get involved. Just make yourself available. But I want to talk to that one person that as we've been talking about the, the, the kingdom of heaven, you're sitting out there going, and Pastor Ed, I don't even know when I die if heaven's going to be my home. You can know. Jesus Christ, listen, Jesus Christ died on a cross for you. And he walked out of the grave and he lives. And if you, the Bible says, anybody who calls upon his name, they shall be saved. If you believe that what Jesus Christ did on the cross was for you, and what he did on the cross is enough for you, then you pray this prayer with me. And as you pray this prayer, the prayer doesn't save you, Jesus does. Just see Jesus standing there right with you right now and just ask him to forgive you and ask him to be your savior and your Lord. Pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I come to you right now and I thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, I ask you right now to forgive me. Forgive me of my sin, please. And I ask you to be my savior and my Lord. Fill me with your spirit so that I might serve you, that I might grow in my relationship with you. Help me to keep coming to church so that I can grow. Lord, I thank you that this day, as I'm turning my life over to you, that I'm no longer just a creation of God's. I am a child of the living God. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, there's some people online that can talk to you. If you prayed that prayer, you can come talk to me after the service. But I want to encourage you again, as we walk out of here today, to sign up for the newsletter. How can you do that? You go on your phone. You put info, info, and then look at this number. If I can find that number for us. 55498. 55498. That's going to get you connected so that you can pray so that you can serve and you can give in some way. And we can get this done at this time in this generation. Listen, I love you. My family loves you. Urban Impact loves you. The pastors here love you. And Jesus loves you. What more? What more could you want? God bless you. We love you. I love you.